This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Hill and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Isabel Hartman. Now, Katie, I think the big news of today is that Labour's changed its position on Gaza and the ceasefire there. Talk us through the changes that have happened today. So this is all ahead of a vote tomorrow, which is an SNP motion calling for an immediate ceasefire. Now, the last time there was a vote by the SNP on this on a very similar motion, Kirstama suffered a big rebellion. 56 Labour MPs rebelled, including eight front benches. And I think there was a feeling that this time around, the rebellion could be even larger. And that's what the Labour leader has been warned. He met with the shadow cabinet today, as, as it tends to happen on Tuesdays. And after that, Labour announced their new position, which is they are adding an amendment to the motion by the SNP. And it's a pretty long amendment. But I think the, the first thing to note is they are calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. Now, this is the first time Labour has called for one. Previously, it's called for pauses. It said that it wants a sustainable ceasefire, that type of thing. So it feels as though it is a progression of the position. And ultimately, when it comes to the mooted ground offensive in Rafa, the motion says that this risks catastrophic humanitarian consequences and therefore must not take place. Now, That is not a particularly um, Labour acting in a unique way. If you look at what the government is saying, what the US is saying, there is a consensus that Israel should not do this. And there's an effort across, you know, when it comes to Western allies to try and stop Israel from taking the action. So is this now the ceasefire that MPs on the left, MPs in seats where they think uh, there could be an electoral effect on not being supportive enough of Gaza, is this the change that they wanted to see of calling for a ceasefire? I think if you look at the exact definition of what it is, it is is not quite as clear-cut as you might expect. The Labour Amendment defines an immediate humanitarian ceasefire as an immediate stop to the fighting and a ceasefire that lasts and is observed by all sides. It includes a demand for Hamas to release all hostages. And it also says Israel cannot be expected to cease fighting if Hamas continues with violence. So I think it is much more heavily caveated than what the SNP have been calling for. I think the early signs are fairly promising for Keir Starmer. Um, Some MPs who voted with the SNP the last time around are saying this will be enough. But because this is an amendment to the motion, the question is, if the amendment doesn't pass what then will Labour MPs be told to do on the motion? And I think the Labour leadership at the moment would want them to abstain. And Isabel, talk us through Labour's thinking on all of this. Obviously, back in November, a vote like this would have caused the resignation of any frontbencher who wanted to back an immediate ceasefire. Do you think this will be enough, this change in position, to ward off some of those splits that Katie talks about in her answer there? Yeah, I mean, I think it is, it's a reflection of how, uh, you know, this is not, stating anything particularly sort of revelatory is a reflection of how difficult this is internally and the private conversations I've been having with Labour MPs, Labour front benches, they really are very, I think stressed out is probably the the description I'd used about the pressure they're under in their constituencies as a result of this SNP motion. Um, there's not that much love between the SNP and Labour generally, but I'd say there's even less uh, as a result of this motion. They feel as though the SNP is is forcing a, a sort of political point 
to make labour uncomfortable as opposed to um, something necessarily that helpful to Gazans. Now, uh, I'm sure the SNP would come back against that uh, robustly and say this is all about uh, the suffering of Gazans. But I think it's fair to say the SNP have been pushing how Labour is going to vote very, very hard. So there is, you know, there, there's always politics in this, but um, but, the, but there's certainly uh, more than just a sort of um, a moral dimension to this. And I think the, um, so, so there's that. And I think that, you know, it's an internal thing. It, it's not actually anything to do with, as Katie said, the international shift in language, the fact that we've seen a huge shift in language from uh, Rishi Sunak and particularly uh, Foreign Secretary Lord Cameron on Israel, on holding Israel accountable, on challenging Israel and specifically on telling Israel not to go into Rafah. There, there's two different things going on here and it's a very uncomfortable place for Labour to be. They've been arguing, I think it was where Streeting was saying yesterday and David Lammy has been trying to present it again today as being what Labour would do were it in government. Now, I'm sure it probably would have exactly these quandaries in government because it would have the same personnel. But this is much more about party than it is about international message, I think. And I was listening to Clive Betts being interviewed on this earlier uh, on Radio 4. He's a backbencher. He's not a minister. He's a chair of a select committee, very long serving Labour MP. And he was saying that, you know, this decision reflected what Labour MPs were hearing from their communities, the huge concern in their communities. And, you know, that's that's absolutely right. That's one of the things that MPs are elected to do. But I think it is interesting that it's about the domestic reaction rather than necessarily about the message it's sending internationally. And I think even if this vote tomorrow goes off without a hitch and this, and this uh, I think this manoeuvring by the Labour leadership to find a phrase that goes far enough to uh, keep some of their MPs on side while not completely going as far as the SNP does work of course we move to next week and the Rochdale by-election and I think that if you if you have a situation where George Galloway wins and George Galloway is an MP in the Commons stoking a lot of this stuff and all the debates and things it's going to just um be very uncomfortable for Labour for a few reasons. Obviously, as a reminder of what happened with their candidate who they had to disown. But also, it won't just be the SNP for the reasons Isabel has just outlined, trying to, I do, I do think, make a political point, of course, against Labour, but also George Galloway. And that could, again, increase talk of the fears amongst senior Labour figures, which is... Less so, I mean, oh, do they think Muslim voters, well, lots of these voters are going to go to the Tories, they don't. But they do worry about George Galloway-style parties. And I think that would just add to the sense that could this be replicated on a larger scale in a general election. Uh, And elsewhere, Isabel, the Prime Minister has today been giving a speech to the National Farmers Union, the first time a Prime Minister has done such since 2008. Uh, What do you think Rishi Sunak's thinking is here, coming at a time when he's under pressure in lots of those rural constituencies across the country? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this has obviously been long arranged, but it's it's not unconnected to um, what we've uh, seen recently, which is polling that Labour is actually doing better amongst rural voters. Uh, and so Rishi Sunak has gone to the NFU conference to basically tell farmers that he has their back and that government is, is going to keep working with them, that Rishi Sunak is never going to take this country's food security for granted. Now, when you talk to rural Tories and I have to say that you know I've been having these conversations with rural Tories since 
after the 2010 election, concerns about where the party is going and how it talks to rural voters. So it's not it's not a particularly sort of Rishi Sunak problem. And he represents, as, as his aides are very keen to emphasise, a, a farming constituency. But Conservative MPs, rural Conservative MPs, are have long been worried that their party doesn't sound very rural anymore and that it's just not talking to the concerns of those who rely on the rural economy, whether it be for you know, hunting, shooting, fishing, which I suppose are considered sort of conservative activities, but also the environmental requirements being placed on farmers. And we've, we've seen much more of a pushback on that in Wales, which is what Steve Barclay, who's the Environment Secretary, has been trying to capitalise on. It's, it's as though he's gone from being Health Secretary, where he talked about the NHS in Wales, um, to being Environment Secretary, where he's now talking about farming in Wales and how this proves that Labour does not, as he says, have a plan. And you'll hear that does not have a plan applied to anything and everything across the uh, across the government's briefs over the next few months. I don't think it makes any sense because actually what farmers in Wales are getting cross about is is precisely a plan and that they're getting cross about uh, tree planting requirements and so on. And I'd say that probably falls into the definition of a plan rather than nothing happening. But there we go. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Isabel. And thank you for listening to Coffee Hot Shots. Shots.